I want to talk to you about reconciliation. Reconciliation is a big theme in scripture. We can be reconciled to God and we can be reconciled to one another. In our journey through Genesis, we've reached chapter 33, and it's a story of reconciliation. In chapter 27, Jacob stole his older brother Esau's blessing. Uh, Esau wanted vengeance, and so Jacob fled. And in chapter 33, we find ourselves many years later with the brothers about to meet, uh, about to be reconciled. In chapter 32, Jacob has been making his plans for how he is going to find favour with the brother he has wronged. But also as the chapter ends, he encounters God. He spends a night wrestling with a man and it turns out that he discovers that he's been face to face with God. As a result, Jacob will walk with a limp for the rest of his life. And so we enter chapter 33, the brothers about to meet Jacob having encountered God. And that's where we're going to pick it up. And I'm going to read the chapter to us. The words will come on the screen. Jacob looked up and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him and they wept. Then Esau looked up and saw the women and children. Who are these with you? he asked. Jacob answered, They are the children God has graciously given your servant. Then the female servants and their children approached and bowed down. Next, Leah and her children came and bowed down. Last of all came Joseph and Rachel, and they too bowed down. Esau asked, What's the meaning of all those flocks and herds I met? To find favour in your eyes, my lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. No, please, said Jacob, if I have found favour in your eyes, accept this gift from me. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God, now that you have received me favourably. Please accept the present that was brought to you, for God has been gracious to me and I have all I need. And because Jacob insisted, Esau accepted it. Then Esau said, let us be on our way, I'll accompany you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are tender and that I must care for the ewes and cows that are nursing their young. If they are driven hard, just one day all the animals will die. So let my Lord go on ahead of his servant, while I move along slowly at the pace of the flocks and herds before me and the pace of the children, until I come to my Lord and see her. Esau said, then let me leave some of my men with you. But why do that, Jacob asked? Just let me find favour in the eyes of my Lord. So that day Esau started on his way back to Seir. Jacob, however, went to Succoth, where he built a place for himself and made shelters for his livestock. That is why the place is called Succoth. After Jacob came from Paddan Aram, he arrived safely at the city of Shechem in Canaan and camped within sight of the city. For a hundred pieces of silver, he brought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, the plot of ground where he pitched his tent. There he set up an altar and he called it El Eloe Israel. This is the word of the Lord. There are three things I think we can learn about reconciliation from this passage. Firstly, how not to do reconciliation. Secondly, um, how to do reconciliation. And thirdly, um, what makes reconciliation possible? Firstly, um, how not to do reconciliation. And it's simple. Don't attempt reconciliation out of a place of fear and in self-interest. This is demonstrated by Jacob. Jacob does want to be reconciled to Esau. However, in his actions and how he goes about it, you can see that he is really concerned for himself and for what matters to him. 
Did you notice how he lines up his family? He puts the servants and their children first, then Leah and her children, and finally Rachel, the one he loves, with Joseph, his favourite son, last. Jacob enters into this encounter with Esau, concerned about himself and about his stuff. That is no way to be reconciled to somebody. If I enter into reconciliation with you and I am holding back, can I ever be fully reconciled with you? If I need you to forgive me, but I'm more conscious of uh, needing you to understand me or needing you to, to understand why I did what I did or needing to save face before you, can I fully be reconciled with you? If I need to forgive you, but I want to hold on to what it is that you did uh, and I want to continue to somehow use that in some way, can I ever be fully reconciled to you? Self-interest and fear hold us back from being fully for another. Jacob does want reconciliation, but he is trapped in fear and self-interest. I know there have been times in my life where I've had to either apologise or forgive somebody, and I've gone into that encounter in that kind of way. I've wanted to say, I'm sorry, but, but that's not really saying sorry. Or I've wanted to say, I forgive you, however, that's not really forgiving. Reconciliation requires us not to operate out of self-interest, uh, not to operate out of fear. I wonder if there are relationships in your life where you realise that fear is a theme. You worry about what the other person might say or what they might think. Or you worry about what you might lose if you were fully open with somebody. I wonder if there are relationships where you operate out of self-interest. Uh, I need to keep my standing. Uh, I need to hold on to my position. I need to continue to look good. In those circumstances, we can never be reconciled. Jacob shows us one way not to do it. But the second thing we can learn from the passages is how we can be reconciled. And that's, um, we can do reconciliation out of a place of peace and out of an attitude of sacrifice. A place of peace and an attitude of sacrifice. And this is the surprise in the text, is that it is the brother who has been wronged, the brother who we last heard of was seeking vengeance, who models this to us. Um, Esau um, forgives Jacob. He runs to embrace him. He doesn't even want um, what Jacob has sent ahead to find favour. Uh, Esau is a man who is at peace with himself. And he is willing to, to sacrifice um, the vengeance that in that culture should have been his in order to be reconciled to his brother. It's the best way to do reconciliation. To have peace in your heart to be secure in who you are and to be able to let go uh, of what it is that caused the distress, the broken relationship. It doesn't mean there aren't continued consequences of that. Jacob still has the blessing. But it does mean that you are choosing to not let what went wrong to determine that relationship moving forward. I wonder if you've ever had an encounter 
where you have needed to be forgiven by somebody and that person has been someone of peace. Somebody who's been willing to forgive you completely and unreservedly and being willing to move forward in the light of that. Um, I can think of a number of times in my life, once at work where I messed something up completely and um, in a previous employment I'd done something similar and I had been um, pretty much shouted at. Uh, and here I made a mistake and uh, the person said, we make mistakes. Uh, and as long as we learn from them, that's all right. And I can remember that to today. They had peace uh, in who they were and not needing to have one over me. Are you at peace with yourself? Are you able to sacrifice um, what might be rightfully yours in order to restore a relationship with somebody else? It's what's required for reconciliation to happen. So how not to do reconciliation? Don't do it out of fear. Don't do it uh, with an attitude of self-interest. And how to do reconciliation? Do it from a place of peace and be willing to sacrifice. Now it'd be very easy to say, well, there's our teaching point for us today. Don't be Jacob, do be Esau. But that would be to miss the force uh, of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, uh, which is this. That actually, if we're all honest with ourselves, we can't be Esau. We are all Jacob. We're all trapped in fear and self-interest. It's what the Bible um, calls sin. It's the result of the fall, those early chapters of Genesis. Our relationships with God and with one another have been broken. And no matter how hard we try to fix the pieces back together, we can never quite do it. So how can we do it? Well, the clue is in the person of Esau. Because here, in his actions, Esau points towards somebody else. There are a few things that jumped out at me when I first read the text. The first was this. In verse, chap verse 1, we read that Jacob looked up. And straight away I was reminded of Genesis chapter 18, when Abraham is at the great trees of Mamre. And it says that Abraham looked up. And Jacob looks up and he sees Esau coming towards him. Abraham looked up and he saw God coming towards him. And in that picture, I was reminded that um, ever since the fall, Genesis, the whole of the Bible, has a God who moves first. God draws close to us all the time. And so just as Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming towards him, we know that when we look up, we see God coming towards us. And then in chapter in verse 4, I nearly said chapter 4, but in verse 4, um, when Jacob falls before Esau, Esau runs and embraces him. And it reminded me of Luke chapter 15 and the story of the lost son, who when he returns home to the father, the father doesn't even let him get out his apology, but he hitches up his robes and comes running down the road to meet him. Both in the father and in Esau, we see actions that are totally out of kilter with what should have been done in culture, what should have been right. And again, that's what God is like. He hitches up his robes and he comes running to meet us. Esau points to Jesus. Jesus is our true older brother who we have wronged. Jesus heard the blessing of the Father, received the blessing of the Father. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. It wasn't stolen from him, but he gave it up. He exchanged his blessing for our curse of sin. He took that to the cross where he felt the fullness of it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He exchanged his blessing for our curse. 
Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself. He made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin so that we, we could become the righteousness of God. In other words, he made Jesus who had this blessing take our curse so that we could receive the blessing. And in being reconciled to God, Paul says, the old goes, the new comes. We are changed. We are born again of the Holy Spirit. We become people of peace through God's Spirit. And it's that that enables us to be reconciled. God's act of reconciliation towards us and with us enables us then to reconcile with one another. We don't do it in our own strength, but we do it at the foot of the cross, knowing that God has won us back that we are on level ground and that we all need Jesus. So how can you be reconciled? In your own strength you can't, but in God's you can. So this week, what I want to ask us to consider doing is reminding ourselves of who we have become in Christ, the righteousness of God. Asking God to fill us with his love and his peace. And then asking God to send us into the world, as Paul says, to be agents of his reconciliation for him and with one another. Shall we pray?